All right, well, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn in the Scripture to Psalm 138. It's where we're going to be in just a few minutes, so go ahead and find your place there, turn your Bible on, whatever the case may be. Uh, we have the screen, so hopefully you'll be able to see the words on the screen, no matter where you're seated, seated this morning. But a uh, lot to be thankful for as a church family. Uh, I wish you could have my point of view to just see the church family here collectively and all that's going on. And uh, just kind of an incredible moment of Thanksgiving to see what we get to be a part of, this church family. So thank you for being here. Uh, if you are extremely observant... Uh, you looked up here on stage and said, uh, that might be a horse trough on stage. <laughs> and you'd be right. But today, uh, it's a sanctified baptistry is what it is. And we're going to celebrate baptism together in just a few minutes as a church. So you're going to see some people exit here shortly. But we get to celebrate life change together. And that's something really exciting we get to do today. So Psalm 138. I said 138, but it's actually 136. But let me... Let me set the stage for where we're going to be this morning just for a few minutes and then we're going to continue on in our psalm series over the next three weeks together and talk about this idea of giving thanks. So we've all seen it happen. Uh, many of us as parents, as parents have been a part of it, but I want you to imagine a, it's the birthday party and it's, it's Johnny's eight-year-old birthday party. And Johnny's having his party and all his friends are there and all his friends bring him presents and man, they bring him some cool stuff and he's an eight-year-old boy and they bring Legos and they bring, you know, stuff that he can tear up and hurt people with and all that kind of stuff that boys like. And, and, at, and at Johnny's birthday party, Aunt Sally is there as well. We all have an Aunt Sally and... Aunt Sally, out of deep love for Johnny, is really afraid that Johnny's going to get cold on those mornings he's going to school. So Aunt Sally gets Johnny one of those big, ugly, purple sweaters. And she puts it in a bag and she gives it to Johnny. And Johnny opens it and he pulls it out of the bag and he kind of looks at it. And he, he's not as excited about the sweater as Aunt Sally is. He doesn't really like it. It really is ugly and he kind of does the mic drop but he does the sweater drop right on the floor and every parent in the room knows that feeling because here's what happens in that moment. The mom or the dad gently grabs Johnny's arm and says, Johnny, you need to say thank you and you need to act like you mean it. Right? And something comes out of Johnny's mouth like, maybe, maybe thank you. We're not sure what it is. And the parents are like, yes, he said something. And Aunt Sally goes, well, thanks, Johnny. I, I knew you would really love it. Now, I tell that little story because we've all seen it happen and we've all been a part of it. And it's good to teach our kids to give thanks and to, to say thank you. But that little episode that we've all seen happen teaches us a couple realities about this whole idea of giving thanks. One of the realities is this. We all know there's something very important about an attitude of thanksgiving. We all know there's something important about that. We're not exactly sure why. It's just an important thing. We also know that it's not a pretty sight when there's ingratitude. We don't like that. But this little story I told also reveals to us that when it comes to the area of what the Bible says about giving thanks, 
of a soul that is overflowing with gratitude. When it comes to what the Bible says about that, watch this. Every single one of us have a whole lot to learn. Amen? Because Amen? nowhere in the Bible does it say, okay, go and say thanks. <laughs> the Bible always says, give thanks, which is a place from our heart, not just on our lips. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at this from the book of Psalms. We've, we've been in Psalms for several months together, and we've talked about meditation and contemplating the truth of the book of Psalms. We've talked about praise, and that praise is an overflow of who God is. We talked about lament for several weeks, and man, how we worship from a place of pain and sorrow. Next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, all right, all that the Psalms, the book of Psalms says about this idea of thanksgiving. Because you're going to know time after time after time after time in the book of Psalms, throughout the Bible, it says much about God's people being characterized by overflowing gratitude. Overflowing gratitude. Not just, well, thank you, but a soul that is overflowing with gratitude. So let's look at that. Let's talk about that a little bit this morning. When, when you come to the book of Psalms, the word Psalm, the word thanks, appears in the book of Psalms 61 times. It's a big deal. Other places in the Bible, in fact, it hold out very clearly that the idea of thanksgiving and gratitude is a very important thing to God. It is a distinguishing characteristic of the people of God. You get to the book of Revelation and it's very clear that thanksgiving is going to be going on around the presence of God forever and ever and ever by God's people. That's a big deal. So I want to read you just a few psalms that indicate and show us what a big deal it is in Scripture. Some of these will be on the screen. You're not going to be able to look all these up. I'll start in Psalm 136. I'm going to read a few verses and a few passages about this thing called giving thanks. So you can just kind of follow along. Psalm 136 verse 1 says this. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. Now, we know it's very important to give thanks to one another, and that's hugely important. Primarily this morning, we're talking about our attitude of thanks back to the Lord, what that looks like in the Psalms. 136 verse 2 says, Give thanks to the God of gods, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His loving kindness is everlasting. If you pay real close attention here, you see that thanksgiving is a response to something. It's a response to something. We'll come back and look at that. Psalm 138 verse 1 says, I will give you thanks with all my heart. Not just lip service, Lord. Not just an expression on my tongue. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. All my heart. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. In other words, throughout the book of Psalms, over and over and over, the people of God came together and they gave thanks corporately, like we're doing this morning. As a characteristic of God's people. Psalm 92 verse 1 says, 
It is good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. The Bible says it is good to give thanks. Dave McCauley in our church sent me something this week. He sent me an email and it, a little quote and it said this, Recent scientific studies have discovered that simply having thoughts of gratitude change the chemistry of our brain. <laughs> Even science knows there's something good about a heart overflowing with gratitude. Now the Bible over and over throughout the book of Psalms, and here's the big idea that we're going to be chasing over the next few weeks, says this, I'm going to give you this big idea, and it's this, that thanksgiving is our soul's grateful response to the goodness of God in our lives. I want you to think about that a minute. Thanksgiving is a response to who God is and to the goodness of God in our lives. We're going to see that in the book of Psalms and we're going to see that over the next few weeks. Now, every parent in the room knows this, and if you're real honest, you know this about yourself. We don't come into the world as grateful people. Amen? A soul that overflows in gratitude is not our natural condition. Right? In fact, I want to ask us a question this morning. What does ingratitude or a lack of thanksgiving, what does that say about our soul? I'm just going to show you a couple passages. You don't have to look these up and then we're going to go back to Psalms. But if we talk about this whole attitude of thanksgiving, what's real easy for us to do in the South, in the Bible Belt, the church culture, what's real easy for us to do is to make thanksgiving merely a moralistic issue. We make it an issue of manners. Well, I'm just going to train my son and I'm going to teach him. And you give thanks. Well, that's a good thing. But we need to understand this idea of thanksgiving goes much deeper than manners. And it goes much deeper than just hospitality. Romans chapter 1, listen to this. Paul is talking about the natural state of mankind, of people. He says this, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Now what's this next line? For even though people knew about God in our natural state, our natural state apart from God is this, they do not honor Him or what? Give thanks. I want you to listen to that because this is going to help us as we pursue this idea of thanksgiving. Don't just make it a moralistic pursuit. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, a distinguishing characteristic of fallen humanity is ingratitude. Thanklessness. In 2 Timothy, he takes it another step. He says this, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 and 2, he says, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents. We hear that list and we go, oh, that's awful. That's wicked humanity. Next line, ungrateful. So Paul says a distinguishing characteristic of fallen humanity is ingratitude and thanklessness. 
Obviously, Paul is talking a whole lot more than just the thanks that we can give on our lips. He's talking about the very condition of our heart. And before we go further in the book of Psalms, I want us to make sure as a church, when we talk about Thanksgiving, don't just make it an issue like a Boy Scout. Well, I'm going to try harder and I'm going to do better and I'm going to be moral and I'm going to be upright. No, no, no. You have to understand, naturally, we are not thankful people. <laughs> Naturally, we are selfish, prideful people. So thanksgiving or lack of it is an attitude of our fallen nature and our broken heart. It is a graphic demonstration. Watch this. Parents, <laughs> we can teach our kids to say thank you, but only Jesus Christ can change a heart through the gospel. Only Jesus. So ingratitude as we see it, is not merely just a pursuit, it is an indication only Jesus Christ and the gospel can change hearts. And a gospel-changed heart, a life that's been changed by Jesus Christ, guess what? Is going to overflow with gratitude. Amen? So this asks the question as we walk through the Psalms very quickly, and I know folks are going, Pastor Mike, you're not going to preach like 40 minutes like you always do, are you? Are you kidding? 38 and a half, I promise, that's it. Just kidding, we're going to be brief. So with all that said, let me ask this question. Okay, well, what is it then that will transform a heart from a natural place of thanklessness to a place of gratitude? What is it that changed the heart? Let's look back at Scripture. Psalm, I'm going to give you a few more Psalms again. Here's what it says, and I want you to listen to a recurring theme. You're going to hear something over and over. It says this, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Now hang with me. Psalm 107 says the same thing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. The word for is indicating what motivates thanksgiving. Hang with me. Give thanks to the God of gods, for... His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 136, verse 26. Give thanks to the Lord, the God of heaven, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Over and over and over throughout the Psalms it says this. Let your heart overflow with thanksgiving. And the motivating factor behind that, what's this, is the loving kindness of God. You say, Pastor Mike, that's a big old word, and I'm not even sure what that word means. But if you've been reading through your Psalms, you have seen that word over and over. The word loving kindness, it doesn't even have a really good English translation. It's taken from a Hebrew word that the, that the meaning is kind of difficult. Sometimes it's translated steadfast love. Sometimes it's translated unfailing love. Here in the New American Standard, it's translated loving kindness. Now, I want you to listen. When you see that word in your Bibles, in your Old Testament, here's the significance of that word. Now watch. The word is God's dealings with His covenant people. It is God's posture towards His chosen covenant people. It is mercy. It is faithfulness. It is a deeply relational love that means kindness. It is His undeserved favor toward His people. 
It is His unchanging love toward His people. In other words, it's the love of God that you didn't earn. And aren't you glad? It's the love of God that's set on His people that it cannot change. You didn't deserve it. It's the kind of love that is not dependent on your performance. In other words, the loving kindness, the covenant love of God set on His people is not dependent on how you lived your life yesterday or the day after or the day after. It flows from the very character of God. It is His faithful love. It is His mercy. It is His kindness that flows from His very nature. But we use the Jesus Storybook Bible with our kids. The Jesus Storybook Bible refers to this from Genesis throughout the Bible as this. It is His never stopping, never giving up, unbreakable, always and forever love of God set on His people. Loving kindness. Book of, Book of Psalms says God overflows with it. Psalm 103 says the Lord is compassionate, He is gracious, slow to anger, and what's this? He abounds, abounds in loving kindness. God gives it in response to faith. Psalm 143 says, Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Psalm 63.3 indicates that this loving kindness transforms the soul. Because your loving kindness is better than life, the psalmist says, my lips will praise you. Psalm 136.26 says, give thanks to the God of heaven for His loving kindness is everlasting. In other words, it is the undeserved favor of God. It is the unchanging love of God. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He overflows with it and it's set on His people. And watch this. Psalm says, those who have been transformed by that kind of love overflow with thanksgiving to the one who gives it. Amen? So thanksgiving for us then is a response. Here's your big idea. Thanksgiving then is our souls transformed by grace overflow with thanks. The New Testament equivalent to loving kindness is this. Ready? The grace of God. It's the grace of God. Paul in the book of Colossians is talking to a group of people who have been transformed by God's love, transformed by the cross of Christ. They've come to know God's covenant love and it has overwhelmed them. They've surrendered their life. And Paul says this, that they will be overflowing with gratitude. Listen, if your heart, someone has to squeeze you, like, you know, trying to get, I don't know, grease out of a peanut or something. That's the only thing I could think of. And you get this little bitty drop, and that's the way you are with gratitude. And someone just has to squeeze really hard to get any gratitude, and it's not overflowing. Watch this. It might not be an issue of manners in your life. It might be an indication that your soul's never been transformed by the grace of God. Because the book of Psalms and the Bible itself and the Gospels are very clear that, listen, those who have been transformed give thanks to the Lord for His covenant love, His faithful love, His undeserved grace, His freely given favor made visible to us in the person of Jesus Christ is everlasting and everlasting and those who have experienced it will overflow in thanksgiving to God and to others. Is that you? Is that us as a church? 
Second thing we see very quickly is grace overflows in thanksgiving, but also big idea number two, and this is the last one, and I'm going to give you an illustration. We'll be done. Big idea number two is this. Overflowing thanks magnifies the giver of grace. There's a true thanksgiving that comes from our heart. Not, not, again, not Johnny at the birthday party. Well, you know, hey. No. But overflowing thanksgiving that flows from a transformed heart, that glorifies the giver of grace in your life. Listen to what David said in Psalm 50. He said, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Honors me. Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with song and I will magnify Him, our God, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving magnifies the Lord. It honors the Lord. It praises the giver of grace. Now you know, there's two different kinds of magnification. David said, when we give thanks from a heart that's been transformed, it magnifies our God. Magnification is, is one kind. It's mac microscopic magnification, which means you get a microscope and you look down and you find something really, really small and you make it big. That's not what David's talking about. The other kind of magnification is when you take a telescope and you look out into the universe and you see these infinitely immense beings or these infinitely immense planets and these structures out in the universe and you bring them to a place where they can be seen or they, they're so huge you can't even grasp them that you present them in a way that they can be seen and understood. That's the kind of magnification that David is talking about. When we overflow with a heart of thanksgiving that comes from a transformed soul, the world looks and sees this immense God in a way that they can see who He is in all of His greatness. Give thanks to the Lord, people of God. For His loving kindness is everlasting. So thanksgiving overflows from a heart that's been transformed by grace. Is that us? And thanksgiving magnifies the giver of grace. Now, I want to illustrate this very quickly with a story and then we're going to we're going to sing a little bit, and then we're going to celebrate baptism, and then we're going to have a challenge of what this looks like for us as a church. But in the New Testament, there's a story that involves Jesus that Jesus tells, and the writer of the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells, and the story's like this. It goes like this, and I'll tell it very quickly. So Jesus is coming from somewhere in Israel, and He's headed to Jerusalem, and He walks through a town, and as He's walking through this town on the way to Jerusalem, ten lepers come out to meet Jesus at the gate of the town. And they're crying out to Jesus and they're saying, Master, have mercy on us. Help us. Help us. And if you don't know anything about leprosy, you can do your research, but in those days, the, the illness or the disease of leprosy was a hopeless condition. It was a skin disease that made your, your, your skin insensitive to pain or touch. You couldn't feel anything. And, over time, it would leave your body distorted. It was such a disease that... Man, in those days, if you had leprosy, you were pulled away from your family, so you are jerked away from your family. You were placed in these leper colonies where for the rest of your days, you lived out your life with other lepers. Had no way to make income. No one wanted to be around you. It was just this ugly, hideous disease. Lepers in that day were really the ultimate hopeless people. So Jesus comes into the town and the Gospel of Luke says as Jesus came into the town, ten lepers stood at a distance from Him because they always stood at a distance and they cried out to Jesus, Help us. Help us. 
If you know the story, you know what happened. There's some different things happen, and ultimately, Jesus, by His great power, He heals ten of those lepers. Ten of all of them. And then He sends them on to the temple, and He says to go, you know, do this right that was supposed to be done in Israel after you're healed of leprosy, and they go toward the temple. And then that's where we pick it up. I'm only going to read a couple verses. We pick it up in Luke chapter 17, verse 15. Ten lepers go away. One leper turns and comes back to Jesus. And that's where we pick it up. And it says, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. Now stop right there. This fellow was so overwhelmed with thanksgiving, he could not stop but coming out of his mouth praise and thanksgiving to what Jesus had done for him. And by the way, in those days, if you had leprosy, it so affected your larynx, you probably couldn't even speak. And that's why Luke says now he has this loud voice because Jesus has transformed his life. This megalace, we get the word megaphone from it. But this loud voice, he comes back and he's praising Jesus. Verse 16 says, And he fell on his face, and at the feet of Jesus he was giving thanks to him. Now listen, there was not a person in Israel who had to look at this guy and go, you need to tell Jesus thank you. And you need to say it like you mean it. Nobody had to do that with this guy. He had been so transformed. And watch this. His transformation was merely physical at this point on the outside. He was healed for leprosy, which was a huge deal. And he comes running back to Jesus and glorifies Jesus for what He's done in his life and falls down at Jesus' feet and gives thanks to Him. And nobody had to tell Him to do it. It was a response to the grace of God in His life. Now watch. In verse 16 it says, And He was a Samaritan. What does that have to do with anything? Well, he was a non-Jew, was the point. He was a Gentile. All nine of the other guys, the passage goes on and Jesus says, the other guys, where'd they go? Where'd they go? They keep on going and they don't even return. And Jesus basically says, the only one that came back was this foreigner, this Samaritan. And the point was, the other guys, they had gotten what they wanted from Jesus and they went on. But this guy was so overwhelmed by what Jesus had done in his life, he could not help but to come back to the God who did it, the one he saw past the goodness to the person who gave it, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how you know if you've been transformed by God's grace. You are thankful for what God has given you. You are thankful for all that He does in your life. But you ultimately are thankful and you go and praise Him for who He is, the person of God and the person of Jesus Christ. And this guy was overwhelmed by who Jesus was. And the other thing, the other nine, they were all Jews. And it was not overwhelmingly surprising to them that the Jews were healed from their leprosy. But this guy, he knew he didn't deserve it, and he knew he couldn't earn it, and he was overwhelmed, and thanksgiving flowed. What's this? When we think we deserve something, it greatly hinders our thanksgiving. But when we realize everything we have is a free gift of God and we've been transformed by His grace undeservingly, we run back. We run back and give thanks to the God of heaven. Entitlement destroys gratitude. <laughs> but when we realize everything we've been given is a gift from God, 
we are overwhelmed in gratitude. And that's this guy. So for us as a church family, I just want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. Does that reflect your heart and your soul this morning? Do you overflow with gratitude? Not just for what He does, but for who Jesus Christ is in your life. In just a few minutes, we're going to be challenged. We're going to sing a little bit here, and then Pastor Daniel's going to come and challenge us with something. But I want to ask you, what does this look like in our church family moving forward? If we are truly a church of thanks and Thanks overflows from us. Based on the Scripture, what is it going to look like for us as a church family? Three quick things, and these are very quick. Psalm 105 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Let me just tell you an overflow of thanksgiving in a church family like ours. It'll be we can't stop and we can't wait to go tell others about the grace that we've experienced. We will make Jesus Christ known. We'll make Him known here. We'll make Him known there. We'll make Him known to the ends of the earth. And that'll be an overflow. The focus is not Thanksgiving. The focus is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the Gospel is central, then overflowing grace and Thanksgiving will come out of us. And you can't stop us from making Him known. Amen? Secondly, if we really get this, then we'll learn to sacrifice together. That no sacrifice will be too great. No sacrifice will be too much to make Jesus known. In just a few minutes, we're going to understand and be challenged. What does it look like for us to sacrifice from a heart of overflowing gratitude? And then lastly, we will give thanks together as God's people. Just like we're going to do right now. We're going to stand in just a moment and we're going to sing. We're going to sing more from a heart overflowing that has been transformed by grace. So as our team comes on stage and they just begin to prepare, I, I'm going to read over you very quickly Psalm 103. This says this. It says, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, as best I can tell, is a combination of praise and thanksgiving. When it all comes together, what comes out of our mouth is an overflowing heart. And it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Say, so sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I, I'm just not up to it. Well, listen, you tell your soul, come on soul, let's bless the Lord. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Don't forget the goodness of God and who He is in your life. He pardons all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with loving kindness. There's that word again. And compassion. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. Bless the Lord, all you works of His, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to stand, and we're going to do just that as a church family this morning. So why don't you go ahead and stand. I'll pray for you as you're doing that. And we're going to sing, and we're going to bless the Lord with all our soul. Father, I thank You. I thank You for this church family. I thank You for Your loving kindness. I thank You for Your grace. And Lord, help us now to bless the Lord with all of our soul. And all that is within us, bless Your holy name. For Jesus' sake, in Your name we pray. Amen.